0: The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, which is on page 1044 of your church Bibles. And on the screen. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, hmm, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gareth, thank you very
1: much. Um, we are thinking this morning about giving. Uh, it's actually, it's part and parcel of uh, the holiness drive that, we, uh, that we've been on um, because actually uh, your wallet, in many ways, your bank statement is like a mirror. It really shows you uh, what's going on in your heart. And if you want a useful exercise to do, Um, If you get bored during the sermon, you go through Luke and see how many references you can find to money or to assets that Jesus talks about. Because he knows this is a massive heart issue for us. So we are going to spend some time coming to him and hopefully just examine our hearts and see uh, how we're doing on that. I hope it'll be a really rewarding time. You won't at all be uh, bored during this one. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you uh, for your word to us. I thank you, Lord, for your desire for us to have life uh, here and to give us warnings and to give us encouragements and to give us your Holy Spirit that we might know you better and ourselves better and live a life that really is life. I pray you would bless us this morning. Uh, with humble hearts that would come before you and examine ourselves. And Lord, whatever I say and in whatever way I say it that is offensive or hopeless, I pray, Lord, that that would fall to the ground and not be remembered. But Lord, you, Jesus Christ, would be writ large before our eyes today so that we might uh, see what life really is and worship you and glorify you. Amen. Amen. So in one way, the world has never been so wealthy. It seems a bit odd saying that as we face various financial crises, but particularly here in the UK. If you live in the UK, then you occupy, uh, 99% of us occupy the top 1% of wealth in the world. If you live in the UK, 99% of us are rich beyond the wildest dreams of quite a lot of the world. That's pretty, it's pretty punchy, isn't it? So that just levels the playing field a bit for us as we think about this and as we look around. We love to look around, don't we? We love to compare. Comparison is the thief of joy. And it also gets in the way of us thinking through our own hearts. So I just want to start with, if you were here today and you live in the UK, even if you're on the benefit system, you are actually, in, the, in, in most of the world, you are actually pretty staggeringly wealthy. Now some of us, Might not be. Some of us might really be surviving on a dollar a day. I get that. But for the vast majority of us, we are very wealthy compared to the rest of the world. And so I want us to think about our hearts now and what we do with that. Because the other thing that's true about our world is not just that it's very wealthy, but it's also filled with worry and anxiety and unhappiness. The Western Hemisphere has perhaps never been so wealthy, but perhaps never been so dissatisfied, unhappy, filled with anxiety and worry. Something's gone wrong there, hasn't it? They don't follow. Here we are worrying about, actually, uh, some of us very genuinely, will there be food on the table next week or tomorrow? Will there be heating? Others, will there be school fees? Or will will the mortgage payment come in? Uh, (coughs) Or you might be worrying about what your schoolmates will think when you come in with the second-hand shoddy shoes or the terrible phone. I don't know what it is, whatever it is. Never been wealthier, but never more anxious or worried and unhappy. Well, what's God got to say about that? Well, this passage, uh, right before the passage about do not worry, weirdly, starts with, what do you think about money? Uh, What is your heart and money? How do they relate? And God says, look, if you want life, if you want real life now and forever, Then guard against greed and be rich towards God. Life is guard against greed and be rich towards God. Let me show you that in here. In verse 13, have it open and look down with me. It says, someone in the crowd called to uh, Jesus and said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So we're in the context of family relationships torn apart by stuff, by money, by inheritance. Now, some of you will know that pain. Some of you will have seen it. It's a very common thing. Probate is an awful time of family relationships being pulled apart because then people's hearts are really revealed. How much are you trusting in money and stuff? And it's not life, is it, in those moments? That's not life at all. And now Jesus, what he does is he goes behind the surface issue and he goes straight to the heart. So he says, verse 14, who appointed me to be a judge or arbiter between you? I'm not going to deal with that issue. I'm going to go straight to your heart. And he says, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, of things. You can always see the main point of a passage. The big clue is when you get a watch out or you get a command, beware, guard yourself. Here is the main point for us. It's the negative side of the coin on what not to do. Don't do this. Don't be greedy. Instead, guard against greed. Because, actually, this is exactly what our culture tells us to do, this bloke in the story, isn't it? Byron the poet uh, who I've not, I'm not I've hardly read any of his stuff but he does write eat drink be merry the rest is not worth a nickel and weirdly I mean that's almost exactly what this guy says isn't it in verse 19 take life easy eat drink and be merry that's what our our, our, our whole culture says to it isn't it take life easy eat drink and be merry because actually tomorrow you die The man here, he, 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 he stores up what is not his and he ends up with nothing. Do you, do you see that? He stores up what is not his and he ends up with nothing. And that's the kind of greed we're guarding against. Look at this. Where does the wealth that he has come from? He says, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. It's not his. He came from the ground. He owns the ground. God. God makes the harvest grow. Without God, he wouldn't have anything. It's not his, it's God's. And foolishly, he hoards it. Uh, well, no, before we go on, if you were to write down how much you will earn this year, if you write down all your income, how much will you earn? How much will come in? Do you know what the answer is? Zero. Because none of it is yours. It all belongs to God, and by the grace of God, it is given you. And then look what this man does. So he 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 has he he stores up what is not his, and then he ends up with nothing. What does he do? He stores it up. So he says, "Ah, oh, this is what I'll do." Verse eighteen: I'll tear down my barns and I'll build big, bigger ones. He's a saver, isn't he? A hoarder. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain then up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And then at the end, verse 20, God says to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Who then will get what you've prepared for yourself? It's a double loss for him, isn't it? First of all, he doesn't enjoy what he has now. And he can't take it with him. He's got, he's got nothing prepared in the next place, has he? It's a double loss. He ends up with nothing. Do you notice throughout the entire story there, did you count how many times you see the word himself and I? Did you see that? Have a look down. I don't know how many there are there. Anyone got a shout? There are loads, aren't there? Did you notice how many times the word God crops up or other people? It's zero, isn't it? He ends up not even with a relationship with other people or with God. It's zero. That's not life, is it? He ends up with nothing, a double loss. He's a fool because he's made a bad investment. But this is our culture, isn't it? Saving money or saving the value in your house, having savings. I mean, just think on the theology of the word savings. Who saves? What? What is, who is doing the saving? It's good to be wise in handling money, but Jesus saves, not money. Jesus saves, not the stuff we have. And say that's the negative side. Guard against greed, guys, in your hearts, like me. I have to work on this the whole time because it's always there. But it's something we need to guard against. It's a threat. But that's the negative side. Guard against that kind of greed because that is not life to the full instead be rich towards god here is life for you and here's the positive side can you see verse 21 this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards god so don't be greedy actually be rich towards god that's the positive that you want to do what does that mean to be rich towards god i don't know Uh, listen jesus is the best example isn't he whenever you see something and you think i'm not sure what that means you think well how does jesus do this That's the way you answer those questions. Uh, How does Jesus do this? Well, brilliantly, we had how rich he is towards God uh, in the carols with Andrew uh, teaching us. That brilliant passage from 2 Corinthians 8-9, which we started with, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you and I, through his poverty, might become rich. Just think for a moment upon the bank statement of Jesus Christ before he came to earth. Think upon his property portfolio. I don't even know what half those stars are called, but they're his. He has the biggest estate, the biggest saving account you've ever seen, and he put it all on one side and became poor. And he did join. He was living in poverty. He was the you know the enormous amount of the church that live below uh, the world that live below that poverty line. He did that, and he died on the cross, in utter poverty, with only one cloak to his name, whilst he still made provision for his family. By the way, here's my mother look after her, but he died with nothing, didn't he? Because he was so rich towards God. Why did he put all that aside and become poor? Well, from that verse, it's. For your sake, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. It's all about, as he's rich towards God, being rich towards us as sinners. That is, through his life, death, and resurrection, you and I might become the children of God who inherit the coming new creation and life as the royal children of God forever. That's what his forgiveness on the cross means for us, doesn't it? It means that we become rich beyond our wildest dreams both now and forever in heaven with God. That though we're we're sinners, we become richer than Croesus, richer than Bill Gates, and not just for 40 years, but forever. So we need never worry about stuff or money again. Jesus is rich towards God. He loved his father and his father's plan to bring sinners like you and I into his kingdom of riches. So rich towards God that he gave everything right down to his life. Jesus was rich towards God, and we benefited, haven't we? Do you see what rich towards God means? And listen, that means life for you. So if you look down at at chapter 12, verse 34, a bit out of our passage, uh, he tells us, after all the worrying issues, he goes to the heart of the issue, which is our heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is your treasure, then that is where your heart will be. And your heart will go up and down with anxiety and worry like a stock market chart in the last five years. I mean, that has been bonkers, hasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Oh, terrible. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, my gosh, how are we ever going to get this? Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. That's what your heart will be like. If, that, if your heart is with your treasure, that's what it will be like. But if your treasure is God, then your heart will be with him forever. Unchanging, unmoving, sure, and steady, and loved, as God is all those things. That's why He can say, don't worry. Because your heart's with your God in heaven. And even with the worries of the world, and there are very big worries that are even in this room, let alone out there even with those worries, you can still have peace. The worries of the world and stuff and money will crash over you, but you will still have a life of peace. That's life, isn't it? Isn't that life? You ever notice the difference between rich and poor houses around here? One thing that I notice acutely is the richer you get, the more gates you have, the more fences you have, the further away the house is from the road the more isolated you What does all that say? It says, I'm worried, and I'm anxious, and I'm trying to hide. And yet when I go to Preston and wander around in a state of mine that a, a, a mate of mine's on, in, where there's a lot of urban poverty, the doors are open, and the kids are running in and out of each other people's houses. They've both got worries, but the difference is, is the guys in Preston are all anxious about their stuff. Guard against greed. Be rich towards God. So the question here for us is, are you guarding against greed yourself? Are you helping your kids to guard against greed? Are you helping your grandkids to guard against it? Guard against it because it's subtle. It's a subtle thing. If you've got rich neighbors, or do you know rich Christians, do you resent their lot? You see, you may have little treasure... But you may have your heart set on their treasure. And actually that will lead to the same thing. It will lead to this kind of resentment. It's the same thing. It's just it's not your treasure that the heart's set on. So do you think of those rich neighbors next door to you who don't know Jesus? Are they wise and even successful? Or do you think of them like this man here? That they are fools making poor investment choices in desperate need of life. In Christ, of warning like Jesus, that all that you're doing here is a waste. Here's another way. Are the are the things or the finances you were thinking about, are they making you rich towards God? Are the things and the finances you're dealing with, do they make you rich towards God? You know, lots of people do online trading now. That's big amongst young and your youth. You probably know someone who's done it. I walked past a teenager the other day who told his mate I've just dropped 20K on something, as in I've just made 20,000 pounds on something, on his online trading. It's horrifying. How is that going to make you rich towards God? Is that going to make you seek more of God or be more dependent upon yourself? You know, doing up the house, seeking more comfort or seeking more of God and his people? Are you seeking more dependence upon the Lord as you expand the business? Or are you seeking more uh, just security? Uh, When you've got the empty bank account, is it a resentment that worries and poisons your heart towards God? Or is the empty bank account an opportunity to rely on God and get on your knees and pray to him and be loved and cared for by a church family? Are the things and finances you're thinking about making you rich towards God? Or is greed slipping in through the back door? Here at Emmanuel, the giving at Emmanuel, we've got much to give thanks for, haven't we? Uh, there's provision for... Uh, uh, one person even recently told me that they, were, they had a, a shortfall in their pay. They were worried about how the bills were going to come and then miraculously God provided and their first instinct was, I want to give, about, I want to give a whole slug of that away to the Cap Hardship Fund. What a brilliant thing. Green Hill Trust, people giving to that to make buildings for hope, that's marvellous there's personal acts of kindness and giving everywhere here and I love it, it is so encouraging I get to see it, you don't get to see it all there is much that is encouraging in our giving here but we want to do all the same, we want to guard against greed, because that's a, that is a threat because we can point to those good things and say, see, I'm fine I've got my direct debit set up. Tick the box. I've sorted that. but That's not what Jesus says. He says, guard your heart, which means rethink it. Go back to your heart. Don't rely on your direct debit to uh, have sorted your heart out. Guard your heart. And those are your kids and your church family. One thing I've noticed generally is people here are great at giving when there's some project to give to. We're going to build a wigwam. Great, everyone gives money. Why is it you wait for the project? I do it too. But why do we do that? I don't know. Why not just give to the kingdom without knowing? I don't know. Is there something there that we need to guard against? Like, uh, has being wise stewards of what is God's become a bit more ownership? Look, here's some quick ways to guard against greed. Give to kingdom cause. Even if it's just one P, start. In Acts 20.35, Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Hold Jesus to that promise and give so that you might receive that blessing, even if it's just one p regularly. God doesn't need your wealth or mine, which is so tiny compared to us. So have you ever thought why he asks us to give? He doesn't need our money. Why does he ask us to give? It's so that we would be blessed by him. It's more blessed to to give than to, to receive. So if you'll struggle with real financial worries... Please reduce your giving to Emmanuel. Give less, but don't stop giving. Because I don't want you to miss out on the blessing of giving to that kingdom work and being blessed. We want everyone to give because it's good for your heart and so life. Here's another way. Disinherit your kids. Provide for them. Yeah, sure, but they'll be 40 by the time they get it. Uh, You might be providing for your grandkids, you think. But what inheritance are you passing on to them? are you passing on barns which teach them this foolish way of life or are you passing on a, a reliance on god what are your kids picking up from you or your grandkids that you rely on god and we have the savings just in case i'm worried about that next thing is be open guard against greed by being open in act two the whole church gets together and they all divide up their stuff and they sell it And uh, everyone has need, has that met. But the key thing is, is they talk about it. They say what they've got, what they haven't got. They say what they've got available. So, you know, write down what is my baseline that I can, that we need to live with. And then everything else, look, I've got all of this. What can we do with that? Let's talk with people about money. Let's not believe the middle class lie that says in Acts 2, they all slightly hid everything away. They didn't do that. They talked about it. Uh, Other thing is, is to plan to give, which is the opposite of this guy. Write down all that you think you will have before you die. Write down all that you think you will have before you die and plan how you will give it away for the kingdom. It is much easier to give away what you don't yet have. I'll tell you that from experience. It's much easier to give away what you don't yet have. So plan to give. Or that might just be setting up the direct debit. Look, here's the other bad thing about this guy, I think, in our story, is he's so lacking in vision, isn't he? An entrepreneurial spirit and excitement. Let us, as a church, be excited about what God might do with with what he has given us, individually and collectively, and be creative and entrepreneurial in what we do with it. How can we make more money for the kingdom? We've got many thanks uh, to a, a parish team and some who are already doing this. It's a really exciting thing to be a part of. So be creative with your giving. That guards against greed. And I want to leave you with this vision of uh, an uh, an archbishop uh, from Africa called Ben Kwasi. He's married. They've got their own kids, and they look after between about 60 and 70 orphaned children. They do ministry in a place where they're persecuted for being Christians, and he lives in constant fear of his life, which is quite a serious deal not just because it's your life, but because you're looking after 60 to 70 orphans who he's teaching about Jesus every day. One day, his house was burnt to the ground by those who did not like him preaching the gospel. And as he stood there with his wife, considering the pile of ashes in front of him, she said, oh, go and pull yourself together. You're always telling us you can't take any of this stuff with you anyway. So just get on with it. And he was rebuked by his wife about his view of stuff. And so he has on his desk, wherever he goes, he has a jar of that ash, which he has on his desk in front of him, to remind himself that all that he has is going to be ash. And it helps him be rich towards the orphans that he looks after, uh, rich towards God in the way he looks after them. Because those 60 to 7 orphans are going to grow up knowing the Lord, aren't they? And, you know, they're going to be in heaven. How many people are they going to bring to know the Lord? They're going to be in heaven. And so when Ben Kwashi is there, he leaves the ash behind, but he takes all that glory and wonder with him, doesn't he? Be rich towards God, because that is life. Jesus wants you and I to have life here. The Western way of life is an abundance of things, and yet it has never been so dissatisfied, unhappy and anxious. No wonder. Where is its heart? What lasting thing or person does it rest on? And what is their future? Exclusion from the riches of heaven and God himself. Jesus' way of life is richness towards God and giving away. Rest your heart on God and his unchanging love and receive an inheritance and a future of unimaginable riches as well as all you have now provided for. So teach your wallet and a heart a lesson. Get them out, get them open, and give them to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the massive opportunity that you give us, uh, whether we are rich or poor, uh, Lord, to examine our hearts Lord, we thank you for the warning to guard against all kinds of greed. And Lord, we're sorry for the way it creeps in everywhere. Uh, the way that we rationalize and excuse. Uh, Lord, it it's doesn't honor you. But Lord, also it's not life for us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us by your spirit that can do immeasurably more than, than everything we can ask or imagine. That you would do something wonderful in our hearts. Uh, Lord, that you would help us to guard against greed. And give what we're able or stop giving, Lord, where that's wise, or reduce our giving where that's wise. Uh, Lord, help us to love one another in these things. Um, Guard us against uh, uh, a bitterness or infighting when it comes to talking about what you have blessed us with and what we are stewards of uh, that's already yours. We praise and glorify you for the opportunity to be rich towards you and to see your kingdom grow. Amen. Oh man <clears throat>